Hey, Founder Church, good morning. My name is Daniel Wagner. I'm the college and young adults pastor here, and I'm excited to be up here in a unique Sunday. looks different in a few ways where churches all around the world here in this town, in this nation, are uh, celebrating uh, what God's doing in and through the church in regards to marginalized children. This is a Sunday that's often referred to as Orphan Sunday. I kind of want to take the top off of that a little bit and challenge uh, what's been a perception maybe of what people would think about when they think about an orphan and instead insert kids that don't have access. They don't have the same opportunity. The stability that comes with a family, often that leads to things like increased poverty and being subjected to things that are, are just terrible. Uh, but most of all, I think the tragedy of someone who is marginalized is often that there's not the same access to faith. And that's really the heart of God, right? That people would come to know and love, follow him now and into eternity. So today, as we look at a day that's all about marginalized children, we're talking about people that are adopting and people that need adopting. We're talking about people that are in the foster care system and aging out of the foster care system and in many parts of the world, still what we would think about when we think about the orphan. So today, I want to hold up two passages of scripture before we get going and hear from people that call Fondren Church home that are working in ways to see heaven look more to see earth look more like heaven, to see heaven come down to the earth. One is James 1, 27. You guys know this. Lots of you, I'm sure. True, pure, undefiled, acceptable religion is this. It's to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep yourself unstained from the world. So there's James writes that as the Holy Spirit gives this to the church. He says, hey, for you to be personally holy, to be pure is just as important to the heart of God as caring for orphans, for marginalized children. So let's turn that around. Caring for marginalized children is just as important to God in your faith as your holiness. That's a strong call for us to follow and for us to live in as God's people. And the second passage that I love in Psalm 82, the psalmist is crying out against an oppressor, against evil people in the world that are going without being punished. He only prays for one party to be delivered in this psalm. You would think it would be himself, but it's not. It's the orphan. He prays that God would rescue the orphan. Why? Because this psalmist knows what we know. Whenever people who are on the margins have a better life, the world is a better place because earth looks more like heaven. So today you'll hear from a few people that call Fondren Church home. Just a few of so many that we have who have been faithful in foster care ministry and fostering, growing up in homes at foster, who have adopted and who are in the process of adopting. But uh, the first person I want to invite up is Carly Wagner. We have the same last name because that's my wife. She's the advancement director at Sunnybrook Children's Home. This is my wife. Instead of this being weird, once you guys know, I got chosen to do this because I've the spiritual gift of game show hosting. So that's why I'm up here today. I take the inventory. It says see back and then says game show host. Some people are good at different things. So Carly, thanks for being here today. Would you tell us uh, about Sunnybrook and why Sunnybrook needs to exist in Mississippi? So about five years ago, there was a large uh, National Alliance of Orphan Care Ministries conference and the speaker said, the church has outsourced care of hurting children to the government. Um, and that sounds kind of hardcore, but you know, how's that working for us? Well, today we have 4,000 children in the state of Mississippi who are in custody of the state of the government. And 
Annie Casey Foundation has projected that it costs society, it cost us about $2 billion a year to um, take care of the needs of kids who have aged out and just not been able to begin life strongly independently. Um, and so 57 years ago, down the street, this former foster boy grew, became a pastor and passionate for foster care ministry. And he began this ministry called Sunnybrook and they rented houses downtown Jackson and they were connected to Meadowbrook Church of Christ and some other churches of Christ in the state. And 57 years later, here we are still serving in a 24-7 type role in Ridgeland, Mississippi, close to the Renaissance and walking distance to home. So you've probably passed by and maybe thought we were a neighborhood. That's where we are. Uh, that's, that's where we do ministry, like I said, 24-7 with foster parents and homes and then support system with staff, licensed professional counselors, uh, caseworkers, and staff who come around these children and train them to be able to prepare for life on their own. Yeah, Sunnybrook is a, a remarkable place. I'm a little biased. I spend a good amount of time there, but we have lots of people here that call Foster Church home that have been connected. You guys serve a, a particular demographic within the foster care system in Mississippi. Who do you serve, and then what are some of the unique challenges that are facing them, and what's Sunnybrook doing to be a part of fixing those problems? Yeah, I'm really excited to be able to share with you guys, my church family, that we are committed to serving kids who are going to age out. Any age between 18 and 21, they'll look up and receive an emancipation um, ruling from the state that they are to be on their own without government assistance, without uh, board board payment. Um, or their kids who are not adopted, of course, we hear these numbers, we've seen the heart galleries, and sometimes we wonder, oh man, I hope everybody gets claimed, and that just doesn't happen. And so we are able to say, hey, you belong here, you eat Thanksgiving here, <laughs> and you have a godly mom and a dad who want to cheer you on forever. But while you're living with us, we want to, as I said, see you transition, prepare for independence. So we have Dave Ramsey's financial literacy course, the Chalmers Institute work-life program that teaches them about self and the stewardship of work and adding your character and skills to the world and how that's good for you and how God longs to re redeem us but also help us reach the world through our work. It's awesome. So their eyes are being open. They don't have to necessarily just survive. They can actually have dignity and be valuable in this world that God loves. So I'm really excited about that. It's going well. Um, we have some folks who've been certified by the Chalmers Institute, and then we have counseling services as well to walk through their trauma and um, tutoring to, to get their GEDs. Some are not able to finish high school on time because they've been placed in so many homes and that's out of their control. But we wanna see them just get to that next step. And like I said, own, own their life walk independently. I know that you're not allowed to share a, a ton of detail because kids are in child protection services, but what are some cool things you've seen God do in these last few years at Sunnybrook through kids? Yeah, so um, over time, it's really sweet to see just like seeds of faith planted in them. It really makes me smile. It's humbling. I see some people that have worked at a camp called Lake Forest Ranch where our kids uh, are sponsored to go every year. And um, in the past, we've had some kids profess their faith there. And they have come from incredibly hard situations. Literally, I've seen stories on the news. We had one 
you know, they said this is the worst case we've seen in Madison County, and then boom, they're at Sunnybrook, and you think, oh, shoot, like, when are they going to stop coming to us, you know? Um, but then those same kiddos came to the foster care Christmas party. They had been reunified with an aunt, and so the aunt was the legal foster mom, but they were there. You never know who's around, and y'all have made a huge difference, whether you know it or not, but um, those are some of the stories, as well as a couple months ago, I guess more than a couple, about six months ago, the start of COVID, I went to a baptism of a girl who put her faith in Jesus through Christians that kind of reached out and invested, and uh, it, was, it was awesome to stand there. A girl who really has stood up recently and said, I don't need to go home. Like, I've seen that there's there are other ways out there, and there are good people, and I think it's best for me to love my guardian, but I need to be here. That took a lot of bravery, and that happens sometimes. They they come to the uh, reality, like I said, that there, there are good people out there who love the Lord. I remember a woman, she leads a ministry um, for girls that are in human trafficking in California, and she said, it's really hard to know that there's a good God without ever knowing a good person. So you've got to have... Um, good people come into these kids' lives and look them in the eye and try to gradually restore their dignity. Um, I had one, one kid say, I kind of was asking, like, where's the spiritual, like, mindset coming from? I knew their, their background a little bit. I'm not in the social services world, but I knew what they had come from. I said, where, where'd you first hear of God? And they said, I wouldn't have heard about God if it weren't for Sunnybrook. That's not to toot our horn. It's to say, this is a way we just guide you, but this is a way for you to come and, and get those kids and to see them move on to wholeness and hope. Wow. So in that, as kids are being discipled at Sunnybrook, uh, you know, what's a way that our church or the church can be a part of discipling people at places like Sunnybrook? The whole goal of our life is to make disciples, like period. Everything is a means to that end. And so... This is going to make you laugh, but there are a lot of ways. One way to make a disciple through Sunnybrook or through a ministry that serves vulnerable kids is by meeting just the basic needs on Maslow's hierarchy of needs, food, water, warmth, and rest. And I don't mean to oversimplify that. I'm just saying everyone really can play a part. You can do what some families do, buy some extra water bottles or Clorox wipes or something on our needs list and drop those off after your Sam's or Costco run. That's a huge help. It um, kind of helps alleviate our burdens. We are dependent on supporters for 80% of our budget. and get a small amount like a foster parent would through the state. But um, those practical needs, food, water, warmth, rest. We have a sweet lady, and she donates pillowcases. We've done welcome baskets with blankets, um, socks, just the basics. But then also there are those kids, like I mentioned, who have come to that point where they've put their faith in Jesus um, and that in itself is sweet. They need someone, though, to walk with them, teach them, keep discipling them. And that would be a conversation with one of our licensed professional counselors or our resident development director. And we would say, what's the best thing that would fulfill you but that would really help the kids we have currently? So those needs are going to be rolling, um, kind of on a rolling basis. It depends on what the girl dream is or maybe we have a boy who's struggling in chemistry or needs two more points in the GED and we're just wondering who's out there that can give a little time to this kid or who can read with this kid and teach them study skills and secrets um hints not secrets but hints on how to guess 
guess on the ACT. Um, but some of y'all would be awesome at that. Would really appreciate any offer. Lindsay Lassiter, I'm looking for I'm not sure if she's here today. She called me once and said, I want to bring a Biagi's Pronto pack. It's like $35, $40. And I've mentioned it before, but pasta, bread, salad. I was like, yes. She said, I want to bring it tonight. I was like, okay. But it ended up being perfect because one of our house moms had the flu and two of her kids in her house had the flu as well. So we were already trying to get a relief house parent in there. And it was just a perfect moment of God connecting the dots and fulfilling a timely need. So any offer, anything in your heart, any gift that God has given you can play a huge part in that discipleship process, meeting the basic needs, but then bringing a kid along and hopefully cheering them on for many years as they uh, try to walk with God and be fulfilled. So somebody's sitting here watching online and they're thinking, wow, yeah, I think I'd like to be a part of something like that. What are some practical next steps they can take? And what's some encouragement you would give them to be a part of something like this? Yeah, you know, I'm going to direct you to the website, like everybody at a nonprofit. But check out our website. You can see pictures and stories and ways um, to help. Christmas has some practical opportunities, gifts, or um, memory. We're doing memories. They get to eat at a restaurant a few times a month based on what we have budgeted. So sometimes giving a gift card for a house to go and make a positive memory and just get out the gate and, like, go get a pizza or go somewhere, canes, you know, that's fun. That's a blessing. And it also helps us um, with, with the budget. Um, you can also come to me at any point. I'm a part of this church family. I'm here on Sundays. You can give us a call. Uh, all the information will be on the website, but don't underestimate uh, what you might want to do or just if you want to have a conversation in general. We may even be able to point you towards a ministry that's doing something a little more specific to how God has gifted you but just don't underestimate what you could do. And thank y'all. You know, even our supporter list, I mentioned we're 80% donations, and we work with the state. The state has changed through the years. We used to be able, when Sunnybrook was, was new in the 60s, we used to be able to bring a kid up to the front of the congregation reportedly and say, this is Jane. Her parents have passed away. You know, she's effectively an orphan. Like, let's take care of her. <laughs> and I hope they would do that with some grace, but you know, dignity, but um, they would meet the need. And now we work with the state and we don't share their faces or their last names. And sometimes they're a little bit out of sight, out of mind. We're talking about 4,000 kids. And so, um, yes, we just, we want to um, work with the state, but also honor, honor our kiddos and make sure that their needs are out there. Thank you, Carly. Appreciate that. Um, you guys, if you don't know Carly, people like her more than me. It's just a dynamic we take with us everywhere. I've learned to live with it. Sunnybrook's a great ministry uh, that so many of you are connected to, grateful for that in multiple ways here. They're a part of one part of the foster care system. So many of you that are out here, you have fostered and, and you're in the process of fostering currently. We're grateful for your investment to specific Foner Church people that are doing that now. They were in the 930 today. Kyle and Tessa Bennett, remarkable people. Kyle and I have kind of bonded because we both have giant one-year-old daughters that look exactly like us. So we commiserate together. Uh, but they're doing a remarkable work in fostering uh, their daughter. And I'd love for you guys to check out that video, hear more about their story and what God's doing. Kyle Bennett. Hey, my name is Tessa Bennett. We're not always in agreement about becoming foster parents. I always knew that, even when I was a little kid, that 
I was going to grow my family in a different way than just biologically. And um, it took a lot of praying and hard work for Kyle to come around. It was on a Saturday afternoon. Uh, a worker, a CPS worker, came to our house and dropped a five-year-old little boy off at our house. And it was a, a very uncomfortable night for me and took a lot of prayer from from the both of us and I eventually settled into it and, and love it now. It's great. We had two short-term placements and now we have had a long-term placement for almost no little over two years. Yeah, yeah. So we had uh, a few short-term placements. Uh, we got a call one afternoon about uh, Grace and um, she came to our house when we first got called, they told us that she was a 12-month-old little baby, and then they called us again and said they were wrong, said she was 18 months, and then when she got there, we both kind of looked at each other and said, she's not 18 months, and she ended up being 20 months. Um, so we had some concern about her well-being at that point because she was not walking, she was making no sounds, she was not opening her mouth at all. She couldn't hardly sit up. She, if you sat her up, she would like fall over. I mean, she was like a six-month-old in an almost two-year-old body. Yeah, and she, we couldn't get her to take any water or eat anything. So we started, after the first day, we started getting a little concerned that um, something was going on with her. So we uh, ended up taking her to the emergency room uh, at Batson. She was showing all the signs of failure to thrive, so she was really malnourished and completely dehydrated, so they immediately admitted her. We ended up being in the hospital with her for about 12 days. They ended up putting a feeding tube because she still was not eating or drinking. And she was refusing to open her mouth at all for yeah. any reason, so they think that there was some neglect and abuse in the foster home that she came from. We got home on the 12th day and, and she started to, you know, you could see her skin starting to change. She was, she was getting some color to her skin and she uh, was starting to trust us. And we got, you know, the hang of, of the whole new routine of uh, feeding her through a G-tube. And it takes about an hour each time. And uh, Yeah, it takes an hour and you, we did it then five times a day. So it was really time consuming and a really different experience for us. We'd never done anything like yeah. that. I think at that point, when she had the G2, we knew we were all in, and she got, uh, we, we got her admitted into a pediatric prescribed uh, daycare, and uh, they took such good care of her. Mm -hmm. they, they would have uh, speech therapy and physical therapy and occupational therapy, you know, all week. So she started, it was like watching her grow in hyperspeed. So she was going through these milestones like crazy fast. So she was completely like, could not stay seated by herself in October. And by Christmas, she was walking. Mm -hmm. And that's right when she started taking her first bites of food. And um, by the next May, she was totally off the G-tube and was eating and completely developmentally yeah. back on track. And so she eventually phased out of her therapy, and we still did a little speech therapy, but it was, it was uh, an awesome thing. The, the last day that we went to her speech therapy, the speech therapist told us, there's nothing else I can do. She doesn't need me anymore.
have people all the time who say things like, I could never do what you do. I would get so attached. And I think that that's such a misunderstanding of what foster care is about. Of course, we get attached. And of course, it is devastating to pour into someone who you don't know that you're going to have a part of your life permanently. But to put the feelings of an adult over the well-being of a child is just, I think, an impossible thing for us to even consider. And when you have this ability to be Jesus to someone in such a tangible way, God adopted us into his family, and we can do that for someone even for a temporary amount of time. It's just for us a hard choice, but an obvious choice. We have had a really unique story in that we have never had a relationship with any of our placement's biological family. She hasn't had any biological family who has um, taken advantage of their visitation and wanted to see her and made the priority to do that. So that hasn't been part of our experience. So in light of that, we are all for reunification and that is the primary goal of foster care and that's something that we would love to be a part of somebody's story someday. But since that hasn't been the case for Gracie, it would be our priority to have her join our family forever. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of our prayer. We know that where she's at and, you know, I think all the time I would hate to see Gracie leave us, but if she wouldn't have come to us in the first place, you know, what would have happened or what could have happened. And we had the op we have had the opportunity to help raise her and give her what she needs. And, you know, I hope we get more, but that's enough, you know, so. Our church is so thankful for the Bennetts, and we told Kyle and Tessa in the 9:30 while they were here that we were so blessed by their faithfulness and the eternal work that they're doing in and through Gracie and the testimony to all of us that they are. So we heard about uh, ministry dedicated to people in the foster care system. We heard from one of our families who's actively fostering, and now another of our families that's in the process of something else really neat. Nick and Kristen Crawford. This is really a great day for me because I get to brag about my wife and my boss in front of a bunch of people and it's recorded. So I can go back to this on the hard days. I already wiped this down. Do you? Okay, cool. You know, COVID, whatever. Nick and Kristen, tell us about you guys and uh, what you're doing up here. Yeah, happy to be here. Uh, Nick Crawford, uh, one of the pastors here, as Daniel mentioned, I get to work with Daniel. Um, this is my wife, Kristen. Um, she is the true star of our family and I, and I kind of just naturally have uh, grown to play into this role of just kind of being on her arm. Uh, I, for 12, 13 years that we've been going to things together, uh, I've just kind of her plus one. So uh, I like playing this role. I've been up here without her. I feel more comfortable with her. Uh, and that's kind of cool today uh, to share the stage with her. Uh, speaking of my comfort, her comfort is a lot uh, higher. Her level of comfort is a lot higher serving our families in the kids' ministry every Sunday than it is right here with the lights shining on her. Uh, so pray for her, but she is awesome. Um, we got a son named Coy. He's six. Uh, we got a little daughter named Kennedy Vale, and she's three. Uh, toss in a couple of dogs. That kind of rounds out our family, but we are the Crawford family, and we are grateful to share a little bit about what God is doing in our family and through our family. So what are you guys in the process of doing right now? We are adopting a newborn from the United States. Um, we're in process for doing that. Um, we're actively waiting. Um, we get cases weekly, and uh, some of the moms are... Um, 
early on in the pregnancy and like last night the baby had already been born and we had to respond within like 30 minutes yes or no and we thought that we might be flying to Arizona today but unfortunately we're not um, but yeah so we're adopting a newborn within the United States so how did you guys get to that place? Tell us a little bit about the journey to where you got to the place where you're actively waiting to adopt a newborn from within the United States. Yeah, this is, um, you know, there's not a clear beginning point to the story. It, it's not so clean cut. Like there's a day one to this, you know, I would say like, uh, honestly, uh, Chris and I have always been warm, uh, to the idea of adoption, uh, even well before we were married, but I, I don't think we uh, could honestly look you in the eye and say, we sensed a call to adopt, uh, until Robert led a sermon series uh, many moons ago over in Doolin Hall called The Fatherless Generation. And I'll tell you, if, if you were a part of that series or you remember that series, it was special. Uh, but, but God did something to our family, to me and Kristen, in that series. Uh, I mean, it was more than just hitting a nerve. It, it struck a chord. It, it's something that we, we, we began to feel the sense of calling to adopt. We just didn't know what it looked like. And, and so uh, because we didn't know what it looked like, she and I were never really on the same page. Early in our marriage, uh, first three, three plus years, we were unsuccessful in, attempt, in our attempts to uh, have our first child. And so I was, I was eager to adopt. It, that was like a clear thing for me, uh, just take that pathway. Um, but, but Kristen lagged behind me, and, and that was okay. Uh, fast forward from that season to, of our lives to a few years later, uh, I had a career change from the law to full-time ministry here at Fondren Church, and uh, truthfully, that kind of felt like I was adopting a child uh, serving this church full time. So I, I lagged behind and, and she raced forward and, and that was okay. But it wasn't until uh, probably a year-ish ago uh, that we kind of started coming to terms and being on the same page with one another. Uh, again, we were uh, been very unsuccessful in our attempts to have a third child. And um, so God used that, we feel like, to kind of lead us down this more direct path to pursue um, a child through adoption. Uh, and so what has been kind of neat about it, this whole journey is that what started off as a call to defend the calls of the fatherless through a sermon series has began to crystallize and kind of take shape for us. Uh, it's been so neat because like Kristen mentioned, um, we, we got an, a, an adoption case last night uh, from Arizona. Uh, it's pretty, pretty cool, pretty uh, scary. Um, but that case was the same as every other case. The father wasn't there. He's gone. He either doesn't want to be a part of the child's life or he's nowhere to be found, but he's not in the picture. So what started off as a call to defend the cause of the fatherless has now taken shape because every case that we get, dad is not there. And that is, that, that's cool that, that, that God has kind of, um, like I said, crystallized that. And, uh, and, if I, and if I could, I'd just tell you guys, uh, in my experience with pursuing God's call in our life, that's what it looks like. In faith, you say yes, and then God races you forward years, and, and, you, and you look back, and your original yes was just a sliver. It's just a piece of what he's calling you to do. So you say yes in faith. You say yes. You take steps forward in faith, and then God will give you a fuller picture of what he's asking you to do, and that has been true for us and, and maybe true for some of you guys too if you, if you chart it. Um, but for us, I think it's just been cool to see that. Um, as we look back over the course of this journey uh, that we're still on, uh, it's been cool to watch how God was always aligning our hearts to this. And, and truly, when, he, when, when our hearts kind of came together in it, 
Yes was the no-brainer. It's been the easiest thing for us. Uh, once our hearts came together, it's been the easiest thing. Like just saying yes was, was, a, was a simple thing for us. But even in that yes, you know, as it's been easy maybe to get to the place of yes, I'm sure there have been some challenges along the way. So what have been a few challenging moments or, or one real challenge in your journey so far? You do know it's 2020, right? Yes. Okay. We started this in January and um, interviewing different agencies and consulting uh, firms. And uh, we started the paperwork in March and then COVID, right? And it was really hard to get drug tests and official documentation and, you know, um, background checks. We had to hire a lawyer to get our applications in the Hines County building because it was like shut down. Nobody would help us out. So, I mean, that's, that's a, the first challenge we faced, which is laughable at this point because there's been more. Yes, I mean, it's true, though. And uh, what's also funny is, like, I'm the lawyer of the family, and, and Kristen's been, like, the paperwork champion. Uh, so it's been kind of odd to see our roles reverse. But she mentioned COVID. Uh, I'll piggyback on her a little bit. But, you know, COVID has had this isolating effect on society in general. Uh, but we felt that as a, as a couple. Uh, and that, I think the, the enemy is in that, but we felt alone in this a lot. We felt um, maybe this is, it, there could be real or perceived, I don't know, but it's maybe our perception is our reality kind of thing. But we have not felt the depth of community that we were used to feeling uh, prior to COVID. So we, many times we felt kind of uh, alone in this. Um, and then other forms of, I guess, some discouragement that we've seen is um, it's born of pride. For sure so we've got sin in this but like we were um kind of discouraged about how much this costs and how much we've had to ask for help um and then you know we were certainly discouraged we got some uh like some questions it was like why would a, a doctor and um, a lawyer or a recovering lawyer uh even need to raise funds you know and so that that didn't I didn't sit well. That wasn't an easy pill to swallow. Uh, so even the the encouragement that we, what we've received hasn't always been positive. Some of the some of the uh, courage that we've been given has been on the negative side of the line. Um, but um, those are just some of the, the negatives, I guess, some of the hard things. Well, let's flip that. What what do you think you guys have seen that's been encouraging? What have some encouraging moments been? And then let's combine that, attribute those things to God. What do you feel like you've seen God do in this process for y'all? I like that one better. It's the glass half full side of the question. Um, honestly, just saying yes has allowed us to see God work through other people. Uh, and that's been the coolest thing. Uh, a couple months ago, we got connected to a guy across town. Uh, he's an artist. And uh, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't have any expectations coming into it. But he set up a meeting with us uh, on a Friday afternoon. Uh, so we loaded up the kids and we go, uh, go see his artwork. So he shows us and... And I, and I guess if I, I was kind of preparing myself for this meeting, I was thinking maybe like uh, maybe I'll get to buy low and sell high, you know, kind of thing. But he shows us his portfolio, and it's uh, substantial. Uh, and, and, and it's like the nice artwork, too. Like when I think of artwork, I'm thinking like paint by numbers, maybe color inside the lines. But this is like mantle pieces. Like these are good. This is good stuff. So he shows us, and uh, he's like, take, take what you want. And I was like, you know, it's like... Uh, my son, like when I say, hey, you can have a cookie, he's like, can, can I have a, really? I mean, that's how I felt. Like, he's like, just take what you want. And uh, I was like, 
help me understand. And he's like, take what you want, however many you want. And, uh, and so I was like, thank you. But, but like, why? And then this guy, I mean, he grins from ear to ear. And I knew, I was like, I'm about to, I'm about to, hear, I'm about to hear something cool. And uh, he just smiles from ear to ear. And he's like, let me tell you what God's doing in my life. And so just saying yes has allowed us to hear stories like this. But um, here, here's how his story goes. He's like, when COVID came to town, I was hearing how it was affecting people. I was hearing people getting sick. I was hearing about people losing jobs, fearing of losing their jobs. And, and I wanted to help, but I didn't know how, so I just asked. I said, God, how can I help? And God, he said, man, God, like for, the, for one of those few times, those rare moments in your life, God spoke to me. And he says, donate your salary to help people bring children home. And the dude says, no, God, I can't do that. That's so unexpected. I can't do that. Are you kidding me? I got kids. I got a wife. I got bills. I got all this stuff. I cannot do that. So he said, I prayed. I wrestled with God. He's like, I felt like Jacob wrestling with God. So God helped him understand what it would look like. And he said, me, I'm giving my salary away. How I'm doing this, I'm giving the equivalent value of my salary away by just giving artwork away. He's using his skill set and what he's passionate to do to just donate it. And so now this guy is well on his way to giving over 500 pieces of artwork away to families like us, to families trying to pull off a foster situation, uh, to even hospitals who are treating sick children that might uh, be able to raise some funds on the side to help them do what they do. But it has been so cool to see God work through others. Uh, I think I would say like uh, that, that goes, that list is very long, so I'll try not to mention names uh, but like uh, bake sales, Bethany Jones, she's singing in the band today. She's cooked a bunch of stuff for us and helped us do a bake sale. Uh, T-shirt sales. I got a buddy from uh, childhood. He's always been a hustler, man. But uh, he's always been hustling. But he's got this side T-shirt business. And he said, Crawford, I hear you're adopting. If you guys want to sell T-shirts, I'm donating them. They're yours. I, got, I can screen print. I can do all these things. But you don't have to pay for shirts. So I was like, oh, wow. And now the cool thing about it, the band's even wearing some of these shirts today. So that's support, you know, uh, on and on and on and on. Um, uh, just earlier this week, a guy calls me up out of the blue, hadn't talked to him in several months. He said, Crawford, I was, I was like, man, I was driving. I had this song on the radio. It made me think of you. And I was like, oh, boy. <laughs> and he says, um, I hear you're adopting. Is that true? I said, yes, it is. And he says, I'm in. I'm in your corner, and I want you to tell me, he gets direct with me, he says, I want you to tell me how I can help you, because I'm going to start calling people, because I know they want to help too. Last, yesterday, we got to do like this virtual 5K run, and uh, like I've been running a little bit more in COVID, and uh, so I was just not positive about this thing. She can probably testify, it's like, I was negative, I was like, a virtual, that's kind of silly, yeah, you know, like, can we just, is there a finish line? I kind of want to run to win, but who am I going to be racing, you know? So I was like, silly virtual 5K, but we were overwhelmed with the amount of people who signed up from Arkansas to um, churches around the city to people who actually showed up on the front steps to take a picture with us and run this race. Man, it was so overwhelming uh, to be supported by people who would sign up to run a, a, a silly race for us and with us. Um, but um, you got anything to add? Yeah. Um, encouraging thing to me is uh, people that have actually been through this have come around me and spoken truth into my life, especially when I'm feeling discouraged, because this is this is not an easy process. Um, and then 
I sprung this on Nick at the 9.30. I know three couple friends of ours that are uh, pursuing adoption have taken COVID downtime to actually fill out the paperwork because it does take a, a lot of time. And they're, they're pursuing adoption this year too. So, Praise God. So what would you guys say to someone who is sitting out here watching online, maybe this gets shared later in the week, and they say, wow, that's great for you guys, but I don't know that that's for me. What encouragement or really even prodding would you give someone who's having that thought? Um, I would say that we had, we felt that too at some point. Um, That's probably how we started this. Um, Adoption seems like a pretty big deal, and and it is, but, but God is bigger. Our God is bigger. Than, than what it seems like. Um, it, it reminds me of this quote by A.W. Tozer. How completely satisfying to turn from our own limitations to a God who has none. Yeah, um, God is bigger than this. Adoption seems like a huge thing. As I mentioned for us, when we got to the point where our hearts were aligned, it was an easy yes for us. Uh, but I guess what I'd say is I'd, I'd, I'd tell him about the problem. You know, Carly mentioned statistics earlier in the service, but I'd tell them about the problem. Y'all, there are countless children who are fatherless. And as Daniel said, who don't have access to faith. So I'd tell them about the problem, and I'd say collectively as a church, we could probably do something about that. We could demonstrate the heart of the good father who desires to bring the solitary into a home, the lonely into a home. And I'd tell them that people could see as we do that, as the church uh, demonstrates these works before men, people could see that the true church does still exist and that the city on the hill shines brightest in the dark seasons. That's probably what I'd say. Um, and, I, and I tell them, uh, I, I just share, try to encourage them with our story. We all have a call in this and it doesn't all look the same. Not everybody's called to directly adopt. Like I would ask you 100,000 questions before you said yes to that. Not everybody's called to directly adopt, but we're all called to be a part of it. So what's it look like? Man, I'm telling you, prayer is never a small thing. God hears the prayers of the righteous, and he acts on them. When you pray, somebody came up to me between service and said, I've been praying for you, and I have felt it. I felt it. Prayer is not an insignificant thing. Pray. Encouragement. Uh, certainly uh, encouragement. I've received text, and God has used them at timely timely moments when I felt low and lonely just to get a text say hey man I don't know what you got but I'm in it with you that means the world to me and Kristen in those lonely seasons to know that somebody's out there with you uh, as people have come out of the woodwork so to speak just to have people in our corner man that has been so big for us um, you know and, and I'd say um, you know a good starting point for anybody is to identify who's fostering or adopting or wrestling with that idea in your circle and just identify one thing you can take off their plate that week. Um, last, I'd say support your church. I would. Uh, I would say support your church, whether it's Fondren Church or another church uh, in the area, in the state, or, or around the world, whoever's watching. Uh, support your church. Find out what your church is doing to defend the cause of the fatherless and support your church. Find out who your church is partnered with, what other organizations that your church is partnered with, and how the church and how those partners take the call of the fatherness to the forefront and defend that cause. Um, Yeah, I guess that's what I'd say. Thank you so much, Nick, Kristen. Grateful for you guys and the way you lead our church, and particularly in this area as you're pursuing something directly from the heart of God. You're an example for so many. We're grateful for that. 
I'm going to pass the mic off to Van Harden. Van's our missions pastor. He's going to come up and speak a little bit more about what Farnham Church is doing uh, in and through a lot of you guys. And we have to wipe these microphones off first because, you know, COVID. I knew that joke would only work once. Hey, um, guys, it's been a, a great day to get to hear about some of the great things that God is doing, get to hear about some folks in our, that are a part of our family and the, and the things that God has been calling them to. Um, Nick and Kristen, it's an honor to get to, uh, to be a part of your family and get to be part of, to be your balcony people as you guys are going down this, this journey and get to be a part of the support group. And, um, man, we can't wait to, to, to be a part of that day that you do get that call and you do get matched with a child to get to bring them home. And uh, we want to thank you for uh, being a part of showing the heart of God to our congregation and we've got a gift for you that uh, we want to step in and, uh, and be a part of supporting you and helping you. So thank you. We love you guys. Um, and just like we got Nick and, Nick and Kristen here in the building today, we got another family that's uh, watching online right now. They're a part of our church community and we want to point out the melons to you guys as well. Drew and Allie have been a part of our family for a long time, and uh, they've been heading down this path just a little bit in front of Nick and Kristen. And this past April, they got the call that a mother in Memphis had chosen them uh, to raise her daughter. And uh, Drew and Allie got to drive to Memphis and meet little May. And a couple of days later, they got to bring her home, and now uh, they're getting to raise this little girl. And that same gift that we've given Nick and Kristen, we've got for you, Drew and Allie. And uh, we're excited to be a part of your family as you get to raise this child. Um, And that points me to tell you guys that we as a church, that we have some incredible leaders here that have made some decisions to rally around families just like this so that we can support uh, other families that, ha- that choose this path as well. So in 2021, we, we've got a new line item in the budget to do exactly what we just did to support these families. But it's not just money, okay? We wanna be here to support these families emotionally, physically. We, we wanna be here for them. In fact, Nick and Kristen and Drew and Allie have committed to be a part of that, to, to step in and speak with anybody that's out there that may be wrestling with a decision like this and, and trying to decide if this is what God is calling them to. And in fact, there's probably some of you out there that are doing this right now that we don't even know about. So we want to tell you as your family, like, let us know. Man, we want to come alongside you and help you defend the cause. We want to help you step in and give hope to a child that may be in a compromising situation. You know, on, on this day, on a, on a day in, on a Sunday in November for the past few years, we've been taking time to focus in on some stories just like this, where God has called some people and some ministries to rise up and step in the gap for children that, that may not have access, that may be facing some hardships that you and I are not or have not faced. Um, and, and we, we've, we've, we've spent time talking about Sunnybrook and we've spent time talking about Mata Morris and, and we've talked to the Kaminers and the, the Phillips and the Crawfords today and pointed out the melons to you guys. Uh, but I want you to know that like, because you guys give, we get to do these things and we get to support these families. I want to tell you about something really cool that 
you did this week that probably none of you really know about. You know, for, for about five, this will be our fifth year to do this Hines County foster care Christmas party. So we're pulling that off different this year because of COVID, but hear me say this, because of COVID, we got the, the, the reach for this party is far bigger and far wider than it's ever been. In the past, we have sent invitations to families and asked them to come to this party the second Thursday in December. And, and in that party, we get to bless folks, we give gifts to kids, we get to feed people, and we get to share the gospel of Jesus with, with people. But this year, because of COVID, we went to them. So this past Wednesday, a team of folks met right up here in the office and we stuffed envelopes with the gospel story, with a gift to help them buy some food and with the invitation to a drive-in movie to get back here in the parking lot about a month from now, okay? But hear me say, this year we got to send the gospel to every foster family and all the CPS workers in Hines County as well. Because you guys gave, we got to spread this hope, this message of hope about adoption into the family to all of Hines County, all, all the people involved in CPS. So I want to thank you for that. Hey, and looking at lunch on the lawn here in a little bit, I'll be out there at a tent as other people with part of the foster care team. If you want to know more how you can be involved in the foster care party, I'd love the opportunity to talk to you about how you can play a part in it. But look, I'd be remiss to say, I'd be remiss to not say uh, that we have spent today hearing about the fact that God has called us, the church, to stand in the gap for the fatherless, for the oppressed, to execute justice for those that are marginalized, right? In fact, Deuteronomy 10, 18 tells us that God himself executes justice for the fatherless and, and the widow, and that he loves the sojourner, and that he provides for them food and clothing, and he cares for them. And the next verse, in fact, tells us that, hey, don't forget that you too were a sojourner once. He's speaking to Israel that's wandering around in the wilderness, longing for the promised land, right? And God is telling them, hey, this is what I do, and this is what I've done for you. So we spent this morning hearing that call that we as a church are to be reminded that we were sojourners and that we are to execute justice for the oppressed, right? Daniel spoke about it so eloquently in, in speaking about James 1.27 that true religion is this, right? To care for the widow and the orphan. But I also want you to know that, man, we were sojourners. We were orphans. And honestly, there may be some of you out there right now that have yet to realize that there is a family, there is a heavenly father that wants to call you and adopt you into the family and to really be part of a family of hope that lasts forever. So if you haven't made that decision, if you haven't come to a place where you realize that Jesus paid the price for your sins and that God is calling you into his family, man, I pray that you would do that. Man, any of us would love to talk to you. I pray that you would do that. And I pray that you would realize that the family of God is here to be a part of God executing justice for those that are oppressed. So. We thank you for being a part of today. We thank you for Sunnybrook. We thank you for the, the Bennett's that were a part of that video today. Man, it is such a blessing to lock arms with these families 
and march for march toward a greater hope for this world and to be a bigger part of heaven coming to earth so you guys y'all pray with me now as we head in this last worship song god our father uh, jesus thank you for adoption jesus thank you for paying the price so that we could have hope and be a part of the ultimate family not just for right now but forever and that we get to walk in glory your glory and get to be a part of joy right now and god i lift up these families that you heard about today the crawfords the mellons and the bennetts and sunnybrook and i thank you that you have pierced the hearts of these people to stand in the gap and fight the cause for someone or some people that needed a little help. God, may you pierce our hearts too, that we can commit ourselves to being a part of you, executing justice for this world that you love so much. Be with us now, tune our hearts to you. In Christ's name, amen.